So good. We're starting a new short series before we get to our James series today, uh, and it's titled, We Are. Uh, I thought about titling it, This Is Us, but uh, some of you, that would give you, you know, a picture of a dysfunctional family, and we're more functional, I hope, maybe, maybe not, we don't know. But we're going to be exploring this question over this Sunday and next about just who are we as a family? What is our target? What are, what are we about as Hillside Community Church? What are we aiming at? What do we, what do we value? That's probably the, the most important question is what do we value? Because what we value, just as in your own life, will shape what you do and it'll shape who you are. I, uh, I was thinking about this this week and I, I was flashback to when I was 20 and I was recruited by our denomination to be a part of a small little team of four, and uh, we were uh, contracted for a year to travel around our denomination in, in the Ontario district, traveling around, and over that year, we traveled to 40 different churches, spending a week in every church. I lived in a lot of people's basements, I tell you, it was not exactly fun. But, but uh, part of our, our role was to go and encourage the, the teenagers, the youth in, in those churches and, and encourage them in their faith and try to help them get connected and those kind of things. And we did that in a whole bunch of ways. We did big events and all kinds of classes, parents' nights, these kind of things, services. But uh, looking back, probably the most important thing that we did was we were assigned to do one-on-one -on -one ministry with the teens. And, and so we, we, we actually were, were going to divide up when we would come to a church We'd get a list of the teens, and, and we'd actually divide up the entire youth group and try to meet every single teen one-on-one -on -one for a, a Coke appointment or a lunch appointment. In fact, it was so daunting that some weeks I would go to McDonald's for three separate lunches. It was like, and it got to, after that year, there was about a five-year gap where I never darkened the door of a McDonald's, I tell you. But, but when, we're, when our coach was training us for this ministry... Um, he, uh, we were like, how do we get the quiet kid who doesn't talk about anything to talk? And we're just envisioning these, these one-on-one -on -one times. An hour is a long time with a teenager that won't open their mouths, right? And we're wondering, how is this going to happen? And he said, you got to ask questions, lots and lots of questions. And he said, if you ask enough questions, you'll eventually get an answer as to what they are all about, what they value, what they care about. And so, so that year, I think I must have asked thousands of questions to hundreds of kids, and it was true. Eventually, you'd get this quiet kid, you'd ask the right question, and there'd be a spark in their eye, and they'd be, become uncapped, and they'd start sharing about what they were about, what they'd kind of orientated their, their lives about, what they loved. Values matter. Values matter, as I said, because they shape what we do and they shape who we are. So a while back, our, our leaders here at Hillside went through a process where we asked ourselves a, a bunch of questions in order that we might identify what we really value as a church. And, and so this morning, we're going to walk through the values we identified. And I, I think it's important for us to to pay attention to the, our, the, our values because they actually honor our heritage as a church. They honor kind of our history, where we've come from, but they also give us some direction as to how are we going to fulfill our mission, the things that God has called us to. In a sense, 
um, values define what our culture is going to be like as a, as a church. So I want to I get your engagement this morning. I, as you can see, the teacher's board is up in honor of the first week of school. Um, what is Hillside's culture like? From, from what you've seen or what you've experienced here, what are, what are some of the things we care about? What are some of our, of our values as a congregation? Can, can we think about that for a minute? I'm going to invite you to just pause, think, think about that, and then um, shut them out. And I'll write them down, like most teachers, in illegible script. Welcoming. Welcoming, okay. Unity. Unity. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, community. That line all like relates to each other just by the way. What else? A high, by the way, a high percentage of our people are involved in volunteer service in the church. Just throw that out there. Prayer. Prayer. Yeah, for sure. Growth. What else? Christ-centered. Celebration. That's good. Christ-centered and celebration. Down to earth. Raw. Down to earth. I'll stick with that. Raw. <laughs> real? Can we go real? Yep. Or you want down to earth? Thanks, Matt. What else? Accepting? I don't know. I don't always feel accepted at this church. That's all I can say, but whatever. Accepting? Safe haven? There was somebody else that... uh, Family. Yeah, we value family. Fun. Fun. We're super, yeah, humble. (laughs) Salvation? Amen. That's why we sing like we do. We're excited about that. What else? Non-judgmental. So everyday life, or all of life, 
Okay, beyond Sunday. Commitment. You guys are really making me work here. Uh, does commitment have two M's or one M at the front? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. <laughs> Who's got the pen here? Who really cares? Is my English teacher in the room? No, she's not. Non-judgmental. Exactly, non-judgmental. It was actually a trick. Put it up there just to see who's judgmental. Anyone, anyone, any else? Anyone? Unconditional love? Evangelism, sure. Evangelism. Okay, I'm gonna put mission and then unconditional love. Okay. Yeah. Hold on a second. Scripture. Just flowing out of you guys now. Okay, last one. (laughs) I'm going to put that as food. And generous. I like that. Okay, wow. Yeah, that's really hard to read, isn't it? Brighter, dry, yeah, yeah, that's right, man. Wow. Those are okay. Those are okay. We could be worse, as, as you know, some would say, right? We, yeah, that's, that's good. Welcoming, unity, relationships, community. Wow. We do this as elders at our elders' retreats, and, and uh, I, it, it's kind of a way of actually considering what has God been doing, who has he been shaping us to be, and then out of that, you, it shapes, you know, the directions we take. And so when we did this kind of exercise, we realized... And, and we went at it for a lot longer. And, I, and I, I bet you if I asked you some more questions, we'd come up with a lot more to go on. But um, out of this process, our leadership formed a, a mission statement, which you can see on the screen. We are on mission to become a community of fully equipped and empowered followers of Jesus, bringing his healing, hope, and compassion to the Tri-Cities and beyond. That's our mission. <laughs> It's our target. It comes right out of Scripture, but it reflects who we are, where God's planted us here in the Tri-Cities. How do we do our mission? This is, this is the statement that kind of directs how we actually uh, do this. For the glory of God, our vision is to, to, to connect deeply, to grow fully, and to serve passionately, which we sum up sometimes with just that little phrase, tagline, connect, grow, serve. And then there's our core values, and we came up with five. Let me just read them off to you real quick here. We value connecting with God. We value spiritual growth. We value authentic relationships. We value local and global outreach. And we value life-giving service. 
And we're going to walk through the first three, and then, then next week we're going to look at the remaining two. We're going to have to kind of be a little bit of a blizzard through this. But uh, first of all, we value connecting with God. It's funny, having, having a conversation with uh, one of my sons last week, and he says, Dad, we're talking about relationships, and he says, confession, I much prefer talking to strangers than I do to my actual friends. That's what he said. And I said, because he's an extrovert, he loves people, and uh, he, he became valedictorian at his high school because he just talked to everyone in the entire high school, knew them all by name. And I said to son, I said to him, son, I, I relate to that. I think that's great. Just make sure you, you're intentional about your actual friendships so that they don't become strangers, right? It's great that you love strangers, but make sure you love your friends or they'll become strange to you. And you know what, folks, what, what unfolds in the pages of Scripture just from beginning to end, is that God does not want to be a stranger to us. He wants to connect with us. He wants a relationship. I I love what he says to his people in, in Isaiah 43, that the Lord who created you, who formed you, he says, don't be afraid, for I've redeemed you. I've called you. I've, I've, I've called you by name. You're mine. And the Lord our God gets personal. He, he wants a He he wants to know you, and he wants you to know him and and have this deep and connective relationship with him. A lot of of this comes right out of that relationship. Um, As I was thinking about this, uh, one of our core values, and and, we we came up with these five, they were in no particular order except for this one, connecting with God. We feel like this is the big rock that we gotta focus on. And this means a couple of things. It means as a community that we'll, we'll connect with God through worship and we'll connect with God through prayer. Right on this line right here. Worship and prayer. Um, worship. In John chapter four, uh, Jesus in speaking to that woman at the well said that the Father seeks worshipers. He seeks worshipers who would worship him in spirit and in truth. And we use this word worship a a lot. Oftentimes we refer to it as singing, but it's a lot more than that. Really to worship is to bow your knee to something, is to bow your knee to someone. Scripture points out, Jesus made it really clear, we'll we'll all worship something. So when we gather, when we we come into God's presence as as a family, we're bowing our knees to the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and we're lifting him up and giving him honor. Jesus said, how are we to worship? In spirit and in truth. To to worship in spirit means that the outward actions of worship reflect our inner devotion to God. It's our heart's overflow of love and joy and hope and, and dependence and trust and thanksgiving towards God as outwardly expressed to him which of course means that it's not just singing or clapping or raising of hands. It's so much more than that. It includes poetry or music or art or dance. We can worship him through our jobs, through, through his angel prayer, the work of our hands. We can, we can worship him through our giving of financial gifts. We, we can worship him by, by sharing love and, and by the choices we make. That's how we worship God in spirit. But we also worship him in truth, which means 
that what we offer to God is in response to and agreement to the word of God. Psalm 119 says this, the sum of your word is truth. And, and so true worship is the outpouring of our spirit towards God in, the res- in, in, in response to the truth of God. Um, worship's powerful. I, I wonder if I was to ask you, how many of you have experienced, when maybe we've gathered or in another service, where, where God touched you in such a deep and profound way as we worship together corporately? You know, where, where just, uh, you came into the service maybe feeling more dark than light, and, and you walk out, walked out and you found that your problems had shrunk in light of the greatness of God. Worship can do that. And God loves it when we worship. Some of you remember over the summer, um, Dan, one of our guest speakers was here, and uh, he, was, he was commenting about his experience of taking his family down to an African-American church in the South. And uh, he says, after they came out of the service, do you remember what he said? He said, our, his kids said, it's as if those people really love God. <laughs> and, and Dan went on to say that that was his sense here. In a sense, that's the highest compliment he could have paid us as a congregation in my mind. It's as if you really love God here. And it shows when we worship. And we want to just, I just want to say that we want to keep pressing into that. We want to grow as a community of worshipers. It doesn't have to look necessarily a a certain way. It doesn't have to be exuberant worship. I mean, my family, we exuberantly worship, but, but God allows us to worship in silence. If you're an introvert and the idea of raising your hands is the scariest thing you've ever done, you don't have to raise your hands. What I would say is we want to see everybody come to that place where they can worship passionately, which means you're worshiping with all you are, the real you before the real God, Right? Uh, Billy Graham, you know, at the end of his life, he was asked this question, if you could do life over again, what would you do differently? I mean, this is Billy Graham, the most successful evangelist of the last century. What would you do different? He said, I'd, I'd, I'd like to have loved God more. That's, that comment has struck with our family. I, I, I wish I'd loved God more. And, and I would challenge you, if you're a follower of Jesus, Maybe that could be your goal. <laughs> However many days you've got left to the day where you're taken home, I, I, I would say make that your goal. Love God more. God longs to connect with us in worship. The same with prayer. I love that we're a people who prays. Thank you, Kay. Kay has been a, one of our leaders in prayer for the entire time she's been a part of this family. God loves it when we pray. The early church, when they gathered, they were known because they were devoted to the practice of prayer. Prayer is so good. We value prayer here because it it opens us up to that kind of everydayness that Matt was talking about, that that sort of beyond Sunday kind of relationship with God, the the kind of conversation you can carry on throughout your week. It's the kind of thing that opens us up to his power. I I mean, Jesus was really emphatic about this, that we... We seek him that we pray, your kingdom come in my life, in my city, in my, my, my situation. He, he loves it when we pray. And, and we value prayer because we've seen God break through and do miracles in our midst. Coolest experience this spring when 
Angel and I were leading an alpha group, and on our last night, we were talking about healing. And uh, man, I, I, I'm, I'm learning at this, trying to not just be a talker to God, but actually a listener. Like actually try to come having heard from the Holy Spirit and, and maybe getting direction from him. And so I said, and I'm, I'm facilitating the group, and I actually said to the group, I said, okay, we're just gonna spend two or three minutes in silence praying that God would speak to us, maybe put his finger on something that we could pray for. And this group is mostly either new Christians or not Christian, and it's kind of like Angel and me. And I know she'll come up with something, but I was thinking it would be great if I had something to offer too. So I'm, I'm praying, and I'm, it's quiet. I'm just listening. And God's not saying a word. And two minutes goes by. It's just silence. And then, uh, and then just as I'm thinking, I've got to wrap this up. It's, God, I feel kind of out on a limb. And he put two words in my brain. Just two words came to me. Infection and migraines. And I opened it up and, and asked if anybody had anything to share. And I said, well, I have something. And I, I actually shared this, uh, heard these two words, infection and migraines. And somebody said, you know, I think that's me. I've been struggling with infection for many, many years, and I have migraines all the time. And so we bowed our heads right there, and we prayed for this person, prayed that God would heal them of their infection and heal them of their migraines. And, and you know why it's kind of funny when you pray like that? Sometimes you just forget about it. And weeks later, I bumped into this person, and I said, I just re- realized I haven't asked you. Infection and migraines. She says, no symptoms on both counts. This week, somebody came into my office and said uh, they came to our Encounter God weekend. They received prayer, and they asked for prayer for one thing, and they did the same thing. They listened and said, I don't think we're supposed to pray for this. We feel like we're supposed to pray for your back. And they said, this person who'd gone, in, gone for prayer said they'd had a bad back issue for many, many years. And uh, it, it was so part of them that, that they didn't even think to pray about it anymore, right? How many of you have something like that in your life where you've stopped praying about it because it just seems like God's never going to answer well, this, God, it was on God's mind, not, not her mind. Anyway, uh, she received prayer, and this is now three months later. She's been totally well, has not had any issues with regards to her back at all. So cool. God answers prayer, and he doesn't. He doesn't, he doesn't. Prayer is the most frustrating and disappointing practice that we'll engage in as Christians, Right? Any, any, Simon confessed last week he finds prayer hard. I find prayer hard. I want to pray more. <laughs> and, I, you know, I, to do that in my life, I scheduled a prayer meeting in my office on Tuesday mornings. I just, like, planted a prayer meeting on Tuesday mornings so I'd, I would pray more. Isn't that kind of silly? It actually has worked for me, and it's gotten me in more of a habit of prayer. I, I wonder for you whether... You need to think about how you could adopt or find a way of incorporating prayer in your life. If you don't know the Lord's Prayer, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name, I'd encourage you to memorize that and pray it when you drive. Just, it, it was like Jesus said, I know this is gonna be hard, I'm gonna give you training wheels. Just, this is gonna be a way of, of making it easier and it's gonna become part of your life. Get a prayer journal. I mean, these are, these are things you can do. These are not difficult uh, things just to help remind you to pray. I, I find in the morning I, I sit with an open journal and the blank page reminds me to pray and I begin writing things down. So, so prayer is 
a huge value. We connect with God through, through prayer. We do it through worship. Second core value, we value spiritual growth. Um, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this one because we spend a lot of time on this. We actually believe this is kind of a, a primary component of what we're about, this, this life of discipleship, of, of you and I not just trying to be like Jesus, but becoming like Jesus. Do you get the difference? You know, we're not about trying to be religious. We're actually trying to get in the flow of the Spirit and, and become more like Him. That's really the theme of our series this fall. James, it's titled, uh, how, what is it titled? Thank you. That was really good, you guys. Wow. <laughs> Authentic faith in action. Which means that your faith, your journey with God, ought to change your life. That's our conviction here at Hillside, that your faith will change your life. Amen? That we can actually open ourselves up to the work of the Spirit in our lives, the transforming work of the Spirit, and as we cooperate with Him, He'll change us. He'll transform us. I like this, the story of a little girl who, she accepted Christ and then applied for membership in her church, and she was asked by this, this old deacon, were you a sinner before you received Jesus into your life? And she replied, yes, sir. And he, he, he then asked, are you still a sinner? And her response, to tell you the truth, I feel like I'm a greater sinner than ever. And he asked, then, then what real change have you experienced? And, and her response was this. She said, I, I can't quite explain it except I used to be a sinner running after sin. But now that I've met Jesus, I'm a sinner running away from sin. I thought that was a good description. I love that. And our, our vision for you folks, our vision as a church is that we, we would grow, that we wouldn't be grumpier because we come to church, that we'd actually become more grateful, that we wouldn't become more greedy, but more generous, that we wouldn't become more divided relationally, but we'd, we'd actually live in unity and, and grow in, in these, these habits of relational integrity as a body. Um, I've had a picture as we prayed this morning in our office on Sunday morning, uh, this morning, I should say, and uh, somebody had a picture of uh, a canal, you know, and the, the lock system in a canal, which takes a ship and basically floods it so that it raises to the next level. And the picture was this, the, 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 the word really was this that I heard, was that God wants to take us as a congregation to another level. He wants to grow, and I, and I saw it for each of you, that he, he wants to raise us up into becoming more and more the likeness of his son. Wouldn't that be great? That'd be cool. People said, yeah. you know, Derwin looks like Jesus, and it's not because of his Middle Eastern haircut. It's because of his character, right? Even us baldies, you know, the Apostle Paul was probably bald. So I, I, I take great hope in, in that. That's a real diversion. So core value number two, spiritual growth. We value spiritual growth. Thank you. Third, this whole row here, welcoming unity, relationships, community. We value authentic relationships. I feel like I shouldn't have to talk about this because it is a big part of who we are as a church but I have to talk about this because we can never afford to get lazy on this one. The picture of the, the, the church is one that gathers and meets and, and connects around 
Christ, but connects together. And, and, and Jesus said, love God, love others, summing up all the commandments, right? The, the fact is, part of loving God is loving others. Part of loving others is loving God. I mean, it's, it's all just part of being faithful to, to our walk with Christ. It's, it's interesting. I, we got to talk about this because of our culture, where our culture is at right now. We live in a lonely day. We, we, we live in an independent culture. And for all kinds of reasons, CBC talked about this earlier this year. In Canada, studies have shown that one in five Canadians identify themselves as being chronically lonely. One in five. It's a global problem. In the UK, the situation has become so, so big that the government has appointed, get this, a loneliness minister. A minister of loneliness. I can't imagine that job to tackle the issue. I think it's because of Brexit. You know, they're leaving the European family and they're feeling a little isolated right now. Maybe that's what it is. But part, part of the problem in Canada is that more and more people are living alone. 28% of Canadians live alone, according to the most recent numbers by Stats Canada. There's also higher rates of divorce. There's stronger dependence on, on technology. For the most part, technology doesn't draw us to one another. It actually takes us away from one another. And of course, the effects of urbanization. The damage of all this is just the, the mental health issues that have, that have spawned out of this, anxiety and depression uh, that are related to, to loneliness. Uh, on top of that, physical things like heart disease and obesity and, or have all, all have links, high blood pressure, to uh, loneliness. And then Vancouver. Guys, we're a, we're a port city. And, and, and for whatever reason, port cities have been, you know, travelers who come and go, and, and for whatever reason, we have a reputation uh, uh, the greater Vancouver area, and the suburbs are even worse, from what I've heard, of, of not being very welcoming and engaging, being an unfriendly community. Have you experienced that? Those of you who've come from further east in Canada, you come to Vancouver, and you're like, oh, and this is a foreign, foreign land. People don't like me here. It's bad news. <laughs> It's good news, in a way, because the church is well-positioned to help in this issue. And I would say Hillside is well-positioned in this issue because of this right here. Because we are a welcoming church. I, I, I know we don't get this right entirely, but, but we really do try to be authentic in our welcome. And it matters. It matters that when we have new people come up that we don't swarm them and, and make them feel like like you know, uh, oppressed in, their, in our presence because we've overwelcomed, but when we sensitively and, and, and authentically show love to others, uh, it's showing the love of Christ. Angel and I, years ago, 27 years ago, we actually, this month uh, is the anniversary of when we got in a car, and we'd been married for two weeks, and we drove across the country, and we came to Vancouver, and we had just two friends out here but you know who became our friends? We attended this little church, uh, this little church that became Hillside Community Church, this tiny little church plant, and those became our close friends. We found community there, and it made all the difference to us. And I, I talk to immigrants often who've been here for years, and they, stay, say, they make this, this statement sometimes. They say, I still don't have any friends. And I want to invite them to church. I want to say, come to church. And, and I want to invite them knowing that we will be their friends. Be, being friends to, 
to, to people from far, uh, you know, from, from near and far, I think requires us to be brave and to step out of our comfort zone. But God has made us for authentic relationship. Um, there's a line from the Psalms that means a lot to me and probably means a lot to some of you. Psalm 68 it says, the Lord places the lonely in families. Man, that's my vision for this church. That's our vision for this church, that God would take lonely people and and have us get connected in family. We've been talking about small groups this morning at Hillside, and and I wanted to say that's the primary way we do this. That's that's the way we try to actually create a safe place for us to actually relate to one another, to to actually demonstrate what we see in, in the early church. Take a look at this next slide. Says, this is a description of the early church. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. I love the fact that it starts with they broke bread in their homes. I mean they ate. They gathered around food. I think that's the, the genius right there. They ate together and they met with glad and sincere hearts. Sincere means they weren't faking it. I, I, I have a hunch, far more than we do in our day, that they actually practiced what we find in the last chapter of James. They confessed their sins to one another. Sincere hearts means they were being real. They were taking off the masks. They weren't pretending that they were righteous when they weren't. They were being real about their lives. And it says they were glad. There's joy when we connect in those kind of ways, when we have that intimate connection, when we gather around scripture and we gather around our own lives and share life together. It, it, it matters. It's not only... I have this conviction, and I'll end with this thought. It's probably through relationships that you've been broken the most. It's probably through some experience, some, some, some hurt that has happened along the way. Maybe it happened in your family of origin or, or along the way, a marriage that broke up or, or whatever it might be. I, I'd say relationships is probably what has made most of us sick. And, and that has led some to actually you know, avoid deep friendship. But I also have the conviction that God uses relationships. He uses people to make us well. And, and I hope that you have the privilege to experience like I've, I've experienced, that being loved and accepted by a small group who've, who've welcomed me into their life and, and saw the real Derwin and didn't reject him and have been agents of healing in me and it won't happen if you do it alone. If you go life alone and you, you, you avoid relationships, you'll, you'll, you'll live a, li- a solitary life. Relationships are one of the primary ways God causes, helps us to grow. I know we could probably have you all up here and share testimonies about that, but it's true. Okay, so that was another pitch to, if you're not in a small group, get in a small group. Um, Start making room in your life for relationships. That's our our first three core values this morning. We value connecting with God, especially through worship and prayer. We value uh, spiritual growth, especially through learning and and following the ways of Jesus, what you might call biblical discipleship. And we value authentic relationships, especially through the practice of small groups. Next week, I'm really excited about what we're going to talk about. We're going to be talking about local and global outreach and serving passionately, and I think it's going to be great. It's going to be really good, really good. But I'm going to invite the the team to come on up. Would you bow your heads with me? Let's pray.
Lord, I thank you for the words that are on this board. And uh, there's evidence, Lord, that these are things you've been doing in us and, uh, and, and values that you've given us. And they're beautiful. And uh, we want to, uh, Lord, not shrink back and say, well, the job's done. Lord, I, we sense that you want to elevate us to the next level. <laughs> like, like a ship going through a lock, you want to flood it and cause us to, to, to grow and experience a kind of fruitfulness that we've been praying for for years. And so we pray, God, would you make it rain here at Hillside Church? Would you, would you cause each of us to, to have an authentic encounter with the living God that we might connect with you, God, through worship and prayer? Teach us, Jesus, to, how to pray. Lord, that, oh, Father, we pray you might grow each of us, that we might more and more in our lives be mistaken for Jesus. And, and God, I, I pray, Lord, uh, you said you placed the lonely in families. Would you, would you do that in our lives and in this church and in our community, Lord? Uh, there's a longing for friendship and there's a longing to be known. And uh, Lord, we pray that, that you would form sacred communities in, in this body that, that would be sources of great life and encouragement to each of us, Lord, we pray. Father, in all these things, We pray for your power and your grace and your mercy to be upon us. We ask these things in the amazing name of Jesus. Amen. Let me leave you with this benediction for you. And and again, if you like prayer this morning, that's a a way you can buy into the fact that prayer matters here is you can come for prayer. Uh, There's uh, refreshments at the back. May God give you grace this week. I felt like I'm only to say one thing to love God more. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. 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 God bless you.